there. It's our first episode of Max Fun Drive 2023, week one of just two weeks where we put the full court press on you to consider supporting the show financially. That's right. You tune in with your clicks. Now tune in with your dollars. Maybe Feeling Seen is just one of the Max Fun shows that you listen to, or maybe it's the only one. Either way, when you decide to become a monthly member by going to MaximumFun.org slash join, and you click that little feeling scene box that says this is one of your shows, it helps me, Jordan Cruciola, keep making this show. We'll talk more about what being a member gets you later in the show, so stay tuned. But you don't have to wait until then, so why not just go to MaximumFun.org slash join right now and check that off your to-do list. Just get it out of the way and free yourself up to just have fun. Then come back and enjoy one of the other perks of Max Fun Drive, which is very special episodes like today with the Max Fun team up of me and Jordan Morris from Jordan Jesse Go. So let's get on with it. everybody and welcome back to feeling seen the podcast that talks about the movies that make us feel seen and my co-host for today if you are a maximum fun patron subscriber fan listener this co-host is already a celebrity to you uh the co-host of jordan jesse go the uh creator of the podcast bubble which then became the graphic novel bubble, which was the, I think the graphic novels were nominated for Eisner Awards. There is also the graphic novel Youth Group. Uh, he has written for shows such as Jellystone and the delightful Earth to Ned by the delightful Eliza Skinner. Uh, Jordan Morris, a fellow Jordan, welcome to the show. Is there anything else that people should know about you before we get going? Or corrections that need to be made about the Eisner Awards? Uh, no, yeah, I'll I'll clarify. I don't think it needs Please. to be corrected, but I'll say our graphic novel, Bubble, uh, based on the Hit Max Fun podcast that I co-wrote with Sarah Morgan, art mm-hmm. by Tony Cliff, nominated for two Eisner Awards. Uh, we did not win. But um, and I should say the Eisners are are like the, the kind of yearly awards for yes. comic books. Mm-hmm. You could call it the Oscars of comic books. I wouldn't. It goes <laughs> too, but some do. I some of my closest friends are Eisner Award nominees, and they really? should have been winners. So I, oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. Shouts out to you, Laura Hudson. Comic, yeah, Laura Comics Hudson. Alliance should, founder, Laura Hudson. You were robbed, Hudson. <laughs> you were robbed, absolutely. Robbed. It's just a popularity contest, god damn it. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, a real thrill to get nominated. It was my first comics project. I've done uh, some others since then, some stuff that will be coming out soon. Um, but yeah, totally wild to be in the room with, you know... Gail Simone and Frank Miller and Neil yeah. Gaiman and all those folks. Really, really cool. Um, yeah, and and we did not win, but um as 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 I was sitting in that ballroom losing, mm-hmm. I genuinely had the thought, huh, it was an honor to be nominated. You know what? You and Kate Blanchett. 
me and Kate Blanchett. Yes. Same same company. Same we're, thing. We're both so honored. And, you know, a lot of people <laughs> call me the Lydia Tar of comics. <laughs> <laughs> I what? don't know why. What a claim! I would, uh, I would, I would vet those claims just to make sure uh, that nothing untoward is right. creeping creeping to the surface. Just because I wear impeccable suits, that's the only <laughs> similarity between me and Lydia Tar. And charge uh, my competition and take them out on the stage. Exactly. Um, no, but I. Uh, and also, this is kind of cool. I'll be in an in memoriam segment when I die. That is if, cool, because not everybody makes it into those. No, uh-uh. I, I'm excited to be in a montage. I hope they use a good photo of me, mm-hmm. um, something where I'm young and strapping, hopefully, or like older <laughs> and dignified. Like if I have mm-hmm. a, a professorial phase later on in life, they can use one of those. <laughs> but yeah, just, you know, it kind of kind of cool. It was it was it was a real thrill, genuinely. Well, I think that I think the the Eisners and you coming into the creation of comics and graphic novels, I think, is a good segue into the character that you have brought for us today. Oh my gosh, it kind of is. I didn't plan that. Maybe you planned that because you're I didn't. a good host and a fantastic podcast maker. No, my 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 host quality is I picked right up on that, and I was like, oh, that's the bridge we can build. Yes, um, it build is that bridge. Peter Parker, Peter as Parker. played by Tobey Maguire, in his. Spider-Man films. That's right. Um, there have been uh, many Spider-Men and Spider-People since Toby, um, but you know his was his was kind of special for me. And uh, yeah, I think I think that um, you know looking back on this movie, rewatching it last night for the purpose of this conversation, um, you know a a couple of things about the movie that haven't aged great, um, but. But for the most part, I think a movie that holds up pretty well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think the Toby Spidey gets something about Spider-Man that I really relate to. And mm-hmm. it's that he's he is a hero who has always overcommitted himself. Like, that's such a fun part about the character is that he he's bad at time management. Yes. He, he wants to do too many things. Uh, he's always like there's this anxiety, you know, for people who tend to overcommit like myself. There's always this anxiety that everyone is mad at you all the time. OK, like you're not giving you've you've agreed to six different projects and <laughs> and you're not giving any one of those your full attention. And in your mind, everyone is mad at you. And that's okay. kind of like the anxiety that Spider-Man helps to process because, you know, not only does he have to solve crime and uh, to save the world, fend off his various clones, a lot of clones. Uh, if, you, <laughs> yeah. if, you, if, if you follow the Spidey comics, this man has been cloned so many times and all of them are trouble <laughs> in various ways. Um, yeah, so he's got all this stuff, but also, you know, he, he has relationships. He has an Aunt May that, you know that that needs him he has a he has a shit job sometimes he has several shit jobs yeah (laughs) so yeah just this kind of like idea that like we want to do it all but we can't and i think that is something um that the character spider-man does really well and i think that that is something that specifically the toby spider-man um Uh uh-huh really really conveyed well thanks for the ride oh wait a minute peter we uh we need to talk well, we can talk later. Well, we can talk now, if you let me. 
What do we have to talk about? Why now? Because we haven't talked at all for so long. Your Aunt May and I don't even know who you are anymore. You shirk your chores. You, you have all those weird experiments in, in, your, in your room. You, you start fights at school. We I don't didn't know. start that fight. I told you that. Yeah, well, you sure as hell finished. What was I supposed to do? Run away? No, no, you're not supposed to run away, but... Pete, look, you're changing. I know I went through exactly the same thing at your age. No, not exactly. Peter, these are the years when a man changes into the man he's going to become the rest of his life. Just be careful who you change into. Now, were you, was, now that you have become a creator of comics, are comics or something, is that something that has always been a part of your life? Did you grow up with comics and therefore, like, the Spider-Man comics, were those yeah. important to you? Okay, so the, the seeds were planted by yes. the print Spider-Man before yes. we got into the film Spider-Man. Yeah, and it, and it's interesting. So, you know, I was a comics kid. It was something, uh, you'll be shocked to know that, <laughs> I'm sure looking at me, <laughs> you're like, that, that guy? Really? <laughs> Surely you didn't do improv, too. You didn't. Yes, I did. You You'll couldn't possibly have done You'll improv. You'll be shocked to know that I was into <laughs> comics and improv, and I had a ska phase. I know. You'll be shocked. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I so just as a kid in the 90s, comics were like in grocery stores, and it was something that uh, mom could hand you so you would stop being bad in the grocery store. Mm -hmm. So if you were acting up, you got a Spidey, you got a Superman, you got an Archie, you got an X-Men. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You've they were written just, for some Archie now at this point, I correct? I have. Yeah. Oh, I, look I have at that. My first Archie is coming out March 22nd. It's called Pop's Chocolate Shop of Horrors. <laughs> <laughs> I can plug it more later in the show. Um, Great. So, yeah. So, all those characters, um, you know, were big parts of my childhood. Mm -hmm. And then, like, but not all of them have stuck with me in the same way that Spider-Man has. You know, mm -hmm. like, you have the stuff you liked when you were a kid. Like, I watched a lot of Care Bears as a kid. But, okay, yeah. But, you know... I, I, and maybe I'm missing a Care Bears reboot or something, but... <laughs> but you know, the, those characters don't really grow with you, you mm -hmm. know? Um, and I think... Yeah, they're I think, meant to find the ones that come up after and come up after, like exactly. the successive generations. I know. And they've done such a good job of evolving Spider-Man and, like, playing the emotional beats of that mm -hmm. character. And one mm -hmm. of them is, oh, my God, I'm overextended. Oh, my <laughs> God. Everyone is mad at me because I can't possibly get everything done that I've committed to. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I and I think that this movie was just great. It took that kind of like childhood character and like really kind of ramped up those emotional beats. Like took him seriously. It, um, yeah, and it really like it really showed a guy who wants to do it all but but can't and like often fails at it. Um, and yeah, and it really just like it just really hit me in a in a way. And I think that like that movie has stayed with me because, you know, I I do, you know, I do really overextend myself and I do feel like, you know, when I'm hustling at my job, I'm not paying attention to my relationships and I'm right, not paying right. attention to my family. And like there's just this moment where like it you know, Aunt May's in the hospital, she's talking to him about Mary Jane they all mm -hmm. know that you know he carries this torch for Mary Jane has since he was he was a kid and she's just like let her see you open open up to her you do too much college a job 
all this time with me? You're not Superman, you know. <laughs> a smile, finally. Haven't seen one of those on your face since Mary Jane was here. Hey, you were supposed to be asleep. <laughs> you know, you were about six years old when MJ's family moved in next door. And when she got out of the car and you saw her for the first time, you grabbed me and said, Aunt May, Aunt May? Is that an angel? Gee, did I say that? You sure did. Well, Harry's in love with her. She's still his girl. Well, isn't that up to her? She doesn't really know who I am. Because you won't let her. You're so mysterious all the time. Tell me, would it be so dangerous to let Mary Jane know how much you care? I gotta say, rewatching this and watching him like repeatedly not even open his mouth when she's talking to him, I'm like, Peter, I want to slap you in the fucking face. Yeah. Peter, <laughs> like, I get that, like, I too forget my name right. when a beautiful person is in front of me. Sure. But also, be polite right now. You are not right. being polite right now, Peter. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of open mouth staring in this my movie. My God. Wow. Great reflexes. Thanks. No problem. Hey, you have blue eyes. I, I didn't notice without your glasses. Did you just get contacts? <laughs> well, see ya. <laughs> and, you know, maybe something you could say in terms of how has this movie aged is that, like, He's a little incel perhaps. <laughs> yeah. See, that's it. And that's a fascinating thing to me about yeah. this Peter Parker is like, uh, I, I enjoy the, the Raimi Spider-Man. I've always had an uneasiness in my soul with Tobey Maguire. Tell me more. I just see him as dark sided. Yeah. And there are, when you see that, like Tobey Maguire in the recent film Babylon to me is the definitive Tobey Maguire performance. Ooh, have not seen Babylon. I am curious. Tell me he more. He's playing the, the most abhorrent character in the movie. He's okay. just like a grinning opium addict, drug dealer, sociopath. Wow. And I'm like, this jibes to me with what I feel your energy is, and, man. And, and wait, so hold like, on. This is a supposedly a bad movie. This does not sound like a bad movie. This sounds great. Babylon is amazing. Is Babylon it? is a film. All I right. love Babylon. I will not dominate your show with me getting into Babylon. No, Melissa no, no, has please. Watched me bring up Babylon on mul multiple conversations at this point. I am happy to cede part of the episode to <laughs> Is Babylon Actually a Good Movie? Because it's a question that I've had rattling around in my brain maybe i need to actually see it i i would encourage taking the plunge it's it's okay. such a gorgeous spectacle um okay. at the very least i think you will feel large in either direction and i okay. think that's a good thing about cinema that's true but I, I like to feel it is a challenging thing for me about these Spider-Man is that yes, like mistrust please. I have fundamentally right. of Tobey Maguire but what it also does is it makes like you don't have that particular complication with Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. You don't have yeah. that with Tom Holland's. You 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 don't sure. feel it coming through a Miles Morales either in our in our new into the Spider-Verse movies. But like there is a little there is a very distinct flavor to the Toby Spider-Man that none of the other ones really touch 
with his ability to turn his gaze down a little bit and suddenly almost feel like like a horror movie character. Like when he has that moment in this movie when he lets the he lets the robber go who will go on yeah. to immediately then kill Uncle Ben in a carjacking and he looks at that like that robber baron handling the the wrestling match and he's like that doesn't sound like a pro- like that doesn't sound like a me problem, pal. Yeah. And you're like you like saying this right now and you you really feel the conflict of how does this Spider-Man use his power one way or the other because Toby is so good at affecting the possible fierce darkness of how he could be wielding it. Right. And and, and it and I think it really it really speaks to the place of the nerd in society, you know, mm-hmm. and how that changes. Like I think think and I don't know how intentional this is and I don't know how much of it is just like Toby's vibe or whatever Mm -hmm. but like I think especially now we are really cognizant of the fact that straight white guy nerds can be trouble yeah right yeah like that is you know that's gone from like uh, the lovable pencil pocket protector guy who you know has a bouquet of flowers for the cheerleader who will never date him you know Mm -hmm, blah blah mm -hmm. blah yeah and it's like now we are kind of in a moment where like oh those those guys have a darkness Mm -hmm. and they can be villains Mm -hmm. and and you know and i think if you do read the comics throughout the comics run the the nerd version of peter parker is a little bit dark and is a little bit bitter okay and and i think that is something that that this movie has i think mm-hmm. that his you know when he is peter parker he is dark and he is kind of bitter mm-hmm. and i and i do think that is a, that is something that turns people off and i think that mm-hmm. both he and dunst ha, you know have their detractors in these mm-hmm. roles mm-hmm. and i think that is something that people that makes it that makes him hard to connect to for mm-hmm. some people is that he does seem like a bitter dark nerd at times and i think <laughs> yeah. it does work for the character but also it's it's weird that he's the hero of the movie and now were you a nerd yourself growing up would you have allotted yourself into that category here's the th- the part of spider-man that i uh, really really thankfully don't relate to that hard is the uh-huh. part where he's bullied i mm-hmm. you know I think I was teased a very normal amount in high mm. school. Some, I have some, you know, teasings and stuff that stick with me and mm. that really hurt and stuff like that. But as far as like getting bullied in this way, I mm. thankfully, thankfully, thankfully was was not. I'm very glad and, to hear that. And I and and amazing. I grew up in Orange County, California. <laughs> okay. Um uh, a place that I think isn't known for celebrating weirdness. <laughs> yeah, I would say. And I got to be I got to be like a weird kid. I got to be like a, okay. a, a a you know, a drama kid. I, you know, got to you know, paint my nails and wear mm-hmm. a dress to school on occasion and not that that stuff is I I do not think that stuff is weird, but mm-hmm. society thinks it's yeah. weird sometimes. And particularly, like you said, if you're you're coming up in the '90s and you're right. coming up in Orange County in the '90s, that's gonna that's gonna slot you into other. Yes, absolutely, and and so like I, you know that that is a part of nerddom that I that has never hit home for me, mm-hmm. um, and I'm grateful for that. But I do know what it's like to have like 
a kooky set of interests, you know? I'm glad that you brought up the idea of like, the, the sort of placement of nerd in the social hierarchy right. and how we examine now what were presented to us as cues of things that were endearing or adorable yeah. or things you should root for in like the, the kind of Xander Harris character profile and sort of the John Hughes sure. best friend character profile. I wondered if I wondered if if that was something that you grew up in like the sort of perhaps nerd broad category, if that was something you would like kept your eye on the evolution of as you had gotten older and like the status of nerddom and the cultural cachet of things that nerds traditionally love comics, sci-fi, fantasy, how that has become mainstream entertainment. And I wondered totally. if that was anything you ever put any thought into. Yeah, I, I think I like, I identified with like having that set of interests and being a little kooky. Mm -hmm. But but yeah, I, I was lucky to kind of grow up feeling like that was okay. And I think that, mm -hmm. you know, kids now are more likely to be kind of like, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't have any kids. I'm I'm just speculating <laughs> here. But, you know, it seems like, well, I don't know. Anyway. I think objectively, it, it can be it can be said that even if where you are is not necessarily in step with the uh, points of progress around conversation discourse, um, there are things available to you through mass media more readily that right. can give you guidance by example of perhaps what you're experiencing, even if you're alienated in your immediate circumstances. Sure. I think that's a great way to put it. I think that that at least we like clearly it's a fucking minefield out there right now. Sure. But yeah. the, what we have it our fingertips hopefully allows for people in places where even it feels like they're being dragged into like a land that time forgot situation that they can still sure. like kids of the nineties fucking get on the internet and be like, Hey, did you guys know there's this thing called a chat room? Like the version right. of that where a you know, slash 90s kids. Slash L. <laughs> Well, and, and and this is this is something I I wanted to I've been holding on to since the the beginning of when you when we started speaking, which is that impulse you were talking about, the like that everyone's mad at me. I wondered how often have you found everyone is actually mad at you? How often is that little voice right? Is it is it like enough to to fuel the voice more, or is it like well, I've never actually had everyone be mad at me? Here's the thing seldomly is that true that is okay that's that's the voice the voice that's the negative self-talk yeah. that's the you know that's 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 the voice doing its voice thing i will say that uh -huh. in the past i have been pretty bad at time management and pretty bad about like realizing that relationships need work mm -hmm. um and you know and i think that like whether it be romantic friendship family other mm -hmm. relationships need work and i think that you know, because I am someone who kind of, I, you know, I think I have really bad FOMO and I think it causes mm. me to like want to do it all. So I think mm. I am always committing to projects. I am always committing to outside projects. I am, yeah, sometimes taking on more than I can handle. And I'm like, okay, well, here's how many hours in a day I have. And I've <laughs> scheduled these projects accordingly. Oh, and then I realized I did not leave any for family, friends, mm -hmm. romantic partner. Mm -hmm. And I think that I, in the past, have been a frustrating family member, friend, romantic partner because I've been so committed. Um, and it's tough. And I know it's tough for, for people to say to you, like, 
be less ambitious because I want to spend more time with you. But right. like, that's real. And that should be like a real thing you can say to somebody. Um, uh-huh. And yeah, so I think I have learned that I am like happiest when my relationships are nurtured and that uh-huh. sometimes I need to say no to stuff. You know, much like Spider-Man should say no to fighting the occasional clone. Um, (laughs) There's going to be a lot of clones, Spider-Man, so maybe you can't fight them all. Yeah, and now there's more Spider-People. You got Ghost Spider. You got (laughs) Miles. Jessica Drake's out there. (laughs) A lot of of Spider-People. They can take care of it. But yeah, but also kind of realizing that, like, things will get done. Every opportunity is not your last opportunity. Mm -hmm. And, like... Nurture those relationships. It's, it means something. It, it matters. Now, as somebody who I has has done, does a lot of gig work, I, wa- I, I want to know what has been like, where are you at in your evolution with the notion of there? this isn't your last job. There there will be more yeah. work. Like, how, how are you in that self-talk of like, no, there will be another job because that, that creeping fear of like, but what if there's not work? God, that is so yeah. hard to surmount. So totally. how are you as a as a as a veteran of doing too much? How are you and taking on many things in that part of your your career life journey? So I mean, this is you know every other conversation I have with my therapist is <laughs> oh my god, I'll never work again. Yeah. It's over. It's over. It's over. Yeah. And I you know, and I think that's kind of a function of like the entertainment industry is weird and it's very weird now. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean I think that in my most stable moments, in my moments where I'm the most mentally and emotionally healthy, I can say to myself, Hey, everybody's not mad at you. Mm-hmm. They're fine. They get it. And also, hey, things are a little slow right now, but they'll pick up. Something yeah. fun will happen. It's just around the corner. Maybe you didn't get that thing you interviewed for. It's okay. Maybe there's something else. There usually is. The, I'm, I can do that now. Mm-hmm. Will I be able to do that tomorrow? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I yeah. don't know. Maybe I won't. Yeah. So, you know, I have the like, I'm doing great state of mind. And then I yeah. have the, oh my God, it's fucking over state of mind. And they kind of just they they you know they ebb and flow. And mm-hmm. one's one's the boss some days, and one's one's the boss another day. Um, and I hope and I you know I hope I'm in a place where like the sensible it's all going to be okay side is the boss more often. Right, but right. Um, you know the other guy the other guy gets in there. Yeah, the, the other clone. Guy gets the other in clone. There. The, the Spider Man yes. pointing at Spider Man. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh my God. The me that meme is deeper than we thought. <laughs> we are yeah geez the meme yeah the meme says it all so yeah it's 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 weird it's like it it, this this movie and 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 you know this character it does like kind of feed that anxiety in a weird way because people are mad at him a lot yeah and like they are pissed at him when he you know doesn't show up to thanksgiving and all that stuff but um but yeah you know i think it would be Maybe it would be better for Spider-Man fans everywhere if, you know, he showed up late to Aunt May's birthday and she's like, it's okay, you're busy. (laughs) And like, she got it. (laughs) It's time for a break, but we will be right back with Jordan Morris. Uh, Though for now, let's get into the exciting world of Max Fun Drive 2023. 
Maximum Fun membership pays for the shows that you listen to in this now becoming a worker owned cooperative network. Your membership funds directly make it possible for us to give you to create for you the podcasts that you are listening to right now. Me, someone else, any of us over here. So I'm asking you, will you join us? Will you become a member of Maximum Fun? Uh, You should. You're here. You clearly like what you see. You clearly like what you're getting. So why not aid us in our quest to make the best shows possible for you? You can join. You can upgrade. You can boost your membership. Or you can even buy a gift membership for a friend or an anonymous Max Funster. All memberships start at $5 a month or more. It goes up from there. uh, And you get bonus content access. For us this year, that means sitting down with producer Marissa to talk about her feeling scene pick. For $10 a month, you can get all of that and you can choose one of our high quality vinyl stickers, which is restickable. And when I say one of, I mean there's one for each of the Max Fun shows. There are 37 different stickers uh, created by artist Olivia Fields. And if you are a feeling scene fan specifically, you can get your very own vinyl restickable. A weatherproof, UV-protected-for-outdoor-use sticker that says canonically queer on it. So, why wouldn't you want that? Like, let it be known where your allegiance lies, and that is to the canon of queerness. I'm hoping, I'm really, really hoping we can get some feeling seen listeners to become new or upgrading members this year. Like, that would be so fantastic. And if enough of you do that, I've got some stretch goals that will unlock some fun stuff that we've thought of. You may or may not know that I am a big movie poster collector. And if we hit our first goal, I'm going to draw names and raffle off... I have some gorgeous poster offerings uh, from I have a collection of a simple favor posters that uh, I have character posters for Anna Kendrick, Blake Lively, and also the like main poster with like the the, the sort of um, deco question mark. That's my favorite one. I have a bunch of those and I will draw names out and I, I we will send you a poster from one of my favorite movies ever that maybe you were a listener of the simple podcast and you want one of these too. And I also, I really, I think I, I have a, I have a promising young woman poster that an original theatrical one sheet that I would be willing to part with because I have redundancies in my collection. So I would be willing to, I would be willing to part with one of those. And if you're crazy, I also have a poster. It's, Listen, the movie's not for me, but I do have a poster of Wonder Woman 1984, one of the original theatrical one sheets, because the poster rules. I love the poster. It is beautiful. It is bright. It is brilliantly colored. Um, So those are some disparate offerings in round one of our goals for bringing on Max Fund members. Um, And then speaking of things near and dear to my heart, you all know I'm a big fan of the movie Babylon. I will work that into any conversation at this point. A film that seems to have pretty polarized opinions on either side about it. Uh, If we hit the next milestone, I will record a special bonus episode off format with some special guests explaining just what it is about Babylon that we love so much. Uh, One of the best movies of 2022 and certainly one of the most movies of 2022. 
And if we break past all of our goals, this is the big one, guys. We will turn the show over to you for an episode and do a special installment of Feeling Seen all about the movie characters that made you feel seen. So if you perhaps wondered what it, what it would be to discuss a character of your own on Feeling Seen through Feeling Seen, um, that's our stretch goal. So help us get there and help yourself get there. Uh, and and become a member and select Feeling Seen as your favorite program. If you want to do any or all of those things, go to the website, MaximumFun.org slash join. Go there, boost, upgrade, gift a membership, do some of those things. And right now, we will get back to the meeting of the Jordans already in progress. I related so much to it was funny watching because Peter is a freelance photojournalist. Like when he's not right. Spider-Man, he's a freelance slash employed by the Daily Bugle photojournalist. <laughs> and he like when he walks in there and JK Simmons is like, I'll give you two hundred dollars, give you three hundred dollars, standard freelance rate. They're crap. 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 Mega crap. I'll give you two hundred bucks for all of them. That seems a little low. Take them somewhere else then. Your wife says the tile you ordered for the foyer is out of stock. Tell her we'll just put a rug there. Sit down. Give me that. Give you 300. That's a standard freelance fee. Tear up page one, run that photo instead. Headline? Spider-Man, hero or menace? Exclusive Daily Bugle photos. Menace? He was protecting that armor. Tell you what, Atticus, you take the pictures, I'll make up the headlines, okay? All right? That okay with you? Yes, sir. Goody. Give this to the girl up front, just so you get paid. I'd like a job, sir. No jobs. Freelance. Best thing in the world for a kid your age. You bring me some more shots of that newspaper-selling clown, maybe I'll take him off your hands. But I never said you have a job. Meat. I'll send you a nice box of Christmas meat. Best I can do. Get out of here. Bring me more photos. He is, Peter is actually living the life of what I would, my top advice to anybody pursuing journalism, particularly as a freelancer, but in general today, is have a spouse who doesn't do journalism that's the best way to do journalism (laughs) so pete and peter has that he's not married to harry but he's got that cushy pad that norman's like bought for them they are not gonna get evicted they're not gonna get evicted landlord is dad i was like well he's a very prescient uh freelance journalist to have scored himself somebody with stable money so he can be living and and be accounted for in that way god we all need to find our harry osborne don't we yeah yeah. hey pete you're probably looking for a a job now right um dad maybe you can help him out no i i appreciate it but i'll be fine no problem i'll make a few calls no i couldn't accept it sir i like to earn what i get i can find my own work i respect that you want to make it on your own steam that's great it is funny about that apartment something i noticed watching it uh for this for this record is that um there's a lot of kind of nice furniture in there that you could tell maybe came from the Osborne mansion. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. uh, very well art directed set. It's not like they don't comment on it, but I'm like, oh yeah, there's some like antiques in here in this like 
loft apartment. It's uh, I know. Yeah, I love well the way done. that it's it's like at once it's supposed to look like they're just like kids giving it a shot with this like plywood stairway that like doesn't even look like it has railings on it. But then, like you said, then there are these accent pieces where it's like that's blue blood furniture. Yeah, right there. there's like a big leather chair. There's an armoire <laughs> that you can kind of see in a couple of shots. And I'm like, oh, these like these are from the Osborne guest room or something like that. Now, when when how old were you when you saw the Spider-Man? Was it when it came out? Yeah, so yeah, let's see. This came out in 2002, so I was like maybe in my first or second year of college. Okay. And I think it was one of those things where I'm like, oh, here's this character I knew as a kid and have kind of kept up with, but not really. I think I wasn't like back on comics full time at this point. Because um, I think there was a time in my life where I was kind of embarrassed that I had a comics phase and sure. maybe tried to, you know, phase it out or kind of yeah. do it in secret. Um but yeah, and I was just like so surprised that like the emotional stuff about Spider-Man still kind mm-hmm. of resonated. And I think that's like a testament to why this movie is so good and has endured in the way it is because it like, you know, really, really plays those emotional beats well. And you can relate to so much of what he's going through. At that time, were you keeping up with superhero cinema? Because this was a bit of a shift from like, obviously, we were post the Schumacher phase of like Batman, mm-hmm. the Shadow and the Phantom were not like oh, the yes. kinds of movies that were necessarily coming out. We The X-Men had been introduced at this point, like X-Men had kind of changed everything and X2 coming with it. Blade still, to me, best of all of them. But like, God, what oh, was- yeah, we stand a legend. I mean, <laughs> does, I mean, everyone, I mean, maybe we're about the same age. I think everyone... Everyone around our age just wants to go to a blood rave at some point in their <laughs> life, right? We we all we are all like we could we could sign our lives away if we were able to sign it away at the blood rave in, in the beginning yeah. of Blade. Uh, I mean, and and it, it's it's as true now as it was back then. But some motherfuckers always trying to ice skate uphill. Some motherfuckers are. Some it's it is an adage as as old as time itself. And I'm so glad we we have come to terms on this. Yes. No, so no. Blade how- absolutely whips ass. Um, it is, you know, it is more of a B movie than this movie is. Uh-huh. But um, which is quite yeah. the thing to say when this is a Sam. This is a Sam Raimi film in its bones. Right. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. This is like as much Evil Dead as it is, you know, Avengers. It is. That's a, it's such a like. I hadn't uh, watched this one in a long time, and it's the way he, the way it is such a Sam Raimi film, and the way that he anchors it in his pulp sensibility. Right. It doesn't feel like a superhero movie of now necessarily, but it also doesn't feel. It doesn't feel too terribly dated. Like yeah, some of the effects are rubbery. It was two thousand two. Yeah, sure. It gives a shit. But like. Be, there is a timelessness, I feel like, to the way it's so classic, the way Sam Raimi shot this. It's like, it, it feels like a 70s superhero piece. It feels like it is yeah. of its moment when it came out. And it feels like it would be the way, you know, if Sam Sam Raimi obviously got to make Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness recently. But it feels like if you had a young filmmaker come out and make this superhero movie right now with those zoom-ins and that sort of zing-pow mm-hmm. sensibility, they'd be like, wow, this auteur, look what they've done. Like, I feel right. like there will always be an appeal to the certain kind of artfulness that defines the Spider-Man. And, and I think that's something that's that 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 struck me and that I think struck audiences when this came out is that like, oh, this is a comic book movie made by someone who likes comic books. Yeah. I think there was a stretch where people were kind of trying to like hide from the source material a little bit or trying to like apologize for it. And this is one that's like, no, I love Spider-Man. This is 
kind of bombastic and operatic and soapy. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man is soapy. That is a part of the character from issue one. Yeah. Like it, 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 it is definitely like rooted in the source material. It's not apologizing for it. Uh-huh. And, and it, and it worked, you know? Um, yeah. And I think that's something that like is always a little push pull with comic book movies. It's like, how comic booky do we make this? Yeah, and I yeah. think this is one that is very comic booky and absolutely works. And it, for it to come like, and it's it's this amazing moment in time where like I feel like it's it's it is right on the eve. It's coming right on the 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 big right before Nolan's gritty Batman reboot. Right. Yeah. Where we're about to go from the sort of candy-colored comic book style to to again the gritty reboot to the right. grim yeah, dark yeah, yeah. thing that we wanted, and I like I I enjoy the popping color of like I feel like that's back in superhero movies now. We obviously movies like Suicide Squad and the Guardians films are just like yeah. dining out on that, but it is I feel such a sense of warmth watching those joyfully like before irony was the sense of humor like yeah. that was the the currency of the realm watching sure. something that is just pure sincerity which feels like it was kind of one of the ending points of sincerity where we weren't like fully yet into post 9-11 cinema where everything yeah. was going to start getting like cynical and cash grabby and sad and homo nationalist like there's a wonderful heart of gold in this that feels like yeah. it could only have existed with this franchise starting when it did like probably getting going being made in 2000 2001 yeah i mean it is a sweet movie it's a corny movie in yeah a lot it's of corny ways. like it you know and and there's an you know there's an aw shucks kind of vibe <laughs> yeah. to a lot of it gee whiz mm-hmm. um but but yeah i don't know it's nice and definitely like you know, after this, like comic book movies added grit and they added yeah. snark. And I guess I should say that, like, a gritty comic book is a thing, you know, oh, like sure. it, it is a genre. And it's like those, those, you know, those guys making the darker movies are, you know, in some ways paying homage to a Frank Miller or whatever. But, you know, but even those in their own way are kind of like, you know, apologizing for the character a little bit or changing parts of the character that, you know, people might seem, might think are corny. But yeah, it is, it is just really nice to like, it is really nice to just kind of like see a movie that's a little bit corny, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, even if it is a little bit uncomfortable when he's staring at Mary Jane all open mouth, she it is. is like, hey, that's young love, you know? <laughs> So when you started making your when you started making comics of your own, mm-hmm. like what what was it? What did you want to imbue them with in terms of a tone that you felt like maybe you 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 weren't getting enough of that you wanted or that you you wanted to bring with you that you had seen elsewhere? Like how did you want the, you working within this format to like represent like art from your heart from this thing that you've been carrying with you since you were a kid in comics and then coming forward into graphic novels? Yeah, I mean. I wanted them to, to be comic booky. Um mm. and maybe I can explain that a little bit more. But like like obviously Bubble was an adaptation of a podcast. Mm-hmm. And and I think when we were making the comic book version we just didn't want it to be a thing where it seems like oh they just handed an artist the script to the gotcha. podcast and said, you know, 
draw this pencil monkey. Yeah. <laughs> and let me cash my massive comic book check. Uh, <laughs> those don't exist. Um, but I mean, maybe they do projects, for some people. guys. Passion yeah, projects. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think we worked a little bit to, you know, add some stuff that we knew was comic booky. Like there are some like wordless sections of Bubble mm-hmm. um, that I really like. There are some like parts where the art like just does all of the storytelling. Yeah, and I think like adding stuff like that was really important to us because we wanted to seem like we were like telling the story for comics rather than just you know. And how is that as a, like, obviously you're right, you, you've written for television, like, you are you are a person who writes, like, how is that, how is that moment when you're like, I'm going to cede the storytelling to visuals entirely? Like, which we, we don't even necessarily get, uh, you know, film is a visual medium, obviously, right. moving pictures, but still, like, the idea of the absence of words feels like a deliberate yeah. choice where it's like, yeah, and they really just, they were doing things with the negative space. But, like, that's 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 fundamental to comics. Like, that's, yeah. that's part of the experience of it. So how was that as a writer seeding I, to that? I think something that I have had to adapt to with comics is, like, my first TV jobs were kind of, like, late-night sketch variety-type jobs where right, you... Okay just need to produce jokes by the page yeah you know and i think that my bubble co-writer sarah morgan also she has a very kind of similar kind of experience where she wrote for like late night shows and variety shows so it's just like you know if the joke is you know whatever donald trump loves cheeseburgers you have (laughs) to have you know 10 different versions of donald trump loves cheeseburgers or you're fired (laughs) Um, and so I think that something we realized is that like, oh, instead of having five jokes here, mm-hmm. what if we had one joke mm-hmm. and let the people enjoy the art or let the kind of acting of the characters tell a little bit of the story? Because mm-hmm. when you, you know, fill that page with a bubble that has a giant block of text, like that's less art you can see, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so I think it's like, it it's... It's a lot of self-editing. It's a lot of like... I was just going to ask if the if the format forced you to really be your own editor when totally, it comes to... Absolutely. Com- okay. And Got you it. see it on the page. There's, you know, there's... You get the, the phases of the comic is you get the pencils back mm-hmm. first. And that's just kind of a rough sketch of what it'll look like. And you see just how much of the page your fucking dumb words take up. <laughs> And it's a bummer. And so, yeah, it was. It's just. It, it was interesting. And I know our 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 artist on Bubble, Tony Cliff, was very patient with us in a really, <laughs> really good like like shepherd into the world of comics. You know, he's a pro. And That's yeah, amazing. and I've been very lucky to work with other great comics folks who you know have been good collaborators in that way. And that they were like patient with like letting me realize when I've you know just included a chonkier monologue than needs to exist (laughs) sort of you know i guess with the way there is you know uh, some quite a bit of open mouth gawking from peter parker in these spider-man movies yeah like it almost kind of serves as it it serves almost as comic panels in themselves when you're watching the movie it is a little bit yeah where it's just like it has to just be written on sort of his dopey face and mj just with like twinkling eyes back at him and you're almost just like flipping through this like exchange of emotion through like twitches of eyebrows kinds of things yeah for sure and 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 they are they're both really expressive um and yeah, and I think that they're I do love their chemistry in these movies. Mm-hmm. I, I know that some do not, but uh-huh. um I'm 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 a big fan. Um 
Yeah, and um, and you know, it, and I have very, I've had very limited experience writing for um, you know, other people's comic properties. Mm-hmm. Um, my first experience has been Archie, mm-hmm. and it was it was interesting because the Archie stuff we're writing is Archie horror. So I was going to ask if horror was anything you had a special interest yourself or if that's just where you found yourself with this, because I always uh, like to figure out if people like horror. Yeah, I didn't. So I didn't as a younger kid, mm-hmm. but um, because I grew up in, um, you know, the 90s <laughs> um, when Scream hit horror movies were like all over theaters and it was just such a big thing in my friend group we're all gonna go to the movies you could feel you like felt the difference that scream made when it happened like totally wow yeah i'm like oh the movies are movie theaters are now filled with movies that i'm scared of wow and don't really want to see but i need to kind of like nut up (laughs) a little bit and learn to enjoy these yeah uh yeah so just like for social reasons i kind of like learned to love horror movies and i love them Mm -hmm. now um but definitely like it took me a while well, and that is, I think Sam Raimi is has always just so joyfully been a, a child of and a steward of horror and genre films. And it's totally. so nice to, like you said, you're watching a movie in the Spider-Man where it's like, this is a guy who like gets what the comics are going for and who right. likes them and respects them. And yeah. it's so fun. Raimi movies are so fun because you just feel how much he loves and respects the kind of movies he's making, whether it is Evil Dead or it yep. is Dark Man or it mm-hmm. is Spider-Man. Yeah, I know. It's like sometimes when you see these genre movies, you can kind of feel that the filmmaker is trying to kind of get away from the genre Mm -hmm. or they're trying to elevate it. You know, I know that's kind of a loaded word these days, like elevated horror, (laughs) elevated rom-com. Yeah. yeah. And and it's like, do you actually like these things? Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's just like no question with Raimi. You know, it's just like he loves this stuff. He loves gore. He loves soapiness. I remember the first time I saw Darkman, I was like, this is so, I like probably, it was probably around when it came to VHS. I remember thinking like, this is so dumb and bad. And I just like, couldn't watch, I couldn't get it at the time. And then I later, like later as an adult watched Darkman and was like, oh my God, this is fucking fantastic. Everybody's doing exactly like the over the top is the point. The schlocky is the point. Like, and what a stupid reaction from someone like me who loved the shadow and the phantom when they came out. Oh wow. So I don't know where that disc connect happen so just to just to make a list babylon good the shadow good the phantom good i wouldn't defend the shadow and the phantom but i will defend babylon i will plant my flag on that hill and i will go to war for babylon whereas they'd be like listen i get it guys like maybe billy zane in the purple suit on the horse wasn't your thing okay treat williams is there i understand the kind of movie we're watching (laughs) right now that was a funny little time in like comic book movies where like maybe it was after the Burton Batman where it's like, ah, yeah. Batman was a hit. You know what kids want? <laughs> radio serials. They want characters based on their favorite pulp radio serials. <laughs> That's such a good point because there is also a movie from around that time that I do also love called Radio Land Murders. That oh, is that's right. Just yeah, about yeah, yeah. like let's watch a radio serial be filmed live, and there will be a whodunit murder mystery that plays right. out over the top of it. You're right. We were super behind radio serials in the nineties. Yeah, and I think that was just kind of a like a a, a dumb executive assumption because <laughs> like 
maybe it was Dick Tracy was in there too. We oh, had the yeah. Dick Tracy movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think something that like sometimes people, you know, when people are deciding what to make and what not to make, it's like, no, there's been Spider-Man never went away. Spider-Man absolutely never went away. There yeah. have been continuous Spider-Man comics since the 30s. People are still into him. <laughs> I don't know if we know who the shadow is in <laughs> 1996. <laughs> but boy, Alec Baldwin said yes, and Penelope sure Ann did. Miller is here. So uh, wow. someone called Tim Curry and Ian McKellen, and we've got a movie. <laughs> I, I mean, I would recommend that movie for for the Tim for the the Tim Curry performance alone. Like, if you right. want to see another Tim Curry like hitting it to the hilt kind I of do. performance doing something weird in the 90s like that what a what a joyful little time i want to see that <laughs> well so then with with as somebody who has now like doing it seems like maybe doing more and more in in comics format what are you are you finding there are like is this something where your creativity and curiosity for it grows the further you get in and like are you kind of discovering more you want to do in this medium or like, are you like, finally, I can fulfill things I've wanted to do in this for so long? Oh, no, I love, I've loved, loved, loved doing comics. It's been so much fun. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to do it forever. I totally want to do it forever. I hope I, I want to, yeah, at this point, I want to like make comics until people say stop. So yeah, it's been so much fun. As someone who was reared on on superheroes, perhaps, yeah. particularly, like Spider-Man specifically, obviously, yeah. what do you, what is you know, in the, you know, the hero will rise sense. Like, what is the comics hero that you think fits now? Like, what does a hero look like in comics format? Because it did, like, it's oh. so proliferated in the art scene. The art form seems sure. like it has diversified so much. Yeah. And, you know, but like, do you want to make a superhero of your own? Or is it, is that something that's like, no, I don't think that's the moment for me. Yeah, I mean, that's it. It would be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I I have not worked in superhero comics. I I I, I would love to. Um, mm. You know, uh, Kevin Feige, call me, baby. <laughs> um, I don't know if he's in charge of the comics. He probably isn't. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so, okay. Here's something kind of interesting. So uh, in 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 modern DC comics continuity. Mm-hmm. Lois and Clark's son, John Kent, okay. is a, a superhero character. He has powers and he's kind of like uh, exploring them for the first time. Mm-hmm. And he's just a great character in that mm-hmm. he like prioritizes kindness mm-hmm. and he feels overwhelmed and has to take time for self-care. Mm-hmm. And it's like just this thing we're talking about. It's like superheroes yeah. are these like overextended, you know, the the weight of the world is sometimes literally on their shoulders. Yes. But he is they've done such a great job of of like making him this unique character in that he is one that like takes time for himself. Mm-hmm. It's such a funny, weird little detail. And like and and it just makes all the difference. It makes him so much more modern in that, like, I think this idea of taking care of yourself mm-hmm. is weirdly new, you know? <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah. Of, like, you know, like, therapy is good and time yeah. alone is good and, like, all this stuff that, that, you know, all this kind of messaging that I certainly did not get as a kid. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, now there is a superhero that... Um, 
realizes when he's overextended and takes a break. It's mm-hmm. really interesting. You know, there there are so many legacy heroes. If you're like, it's interesting to see people kind of like create new heroes and like make them modern in some distinct way. It's 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 a really really cool idea. And when it like works, it um, it's just super impactful. Yeah, that was one that I read. I'm like, oh, this is perfect. He is like. There's all the fun of Superman, but mm-hmm. he has these couple of unique kind of modern traits that just make make the whole thing feel new. Well, I appreciate that uh, something I, I appreciate what, that what jumped out so much for you about Toby's uh, Peter Parker is something that is still resonating for you in characters that you are seeing today. Yeah. And that I, I hope that you uh, na- now that you are sort of liberated to write them into your own comic stories feels very exciting. Yeah, no, it, it's neat, and it's been it's been kind of neat to like work with the Archie gang. They've been yeah. like <laughs> around for so long, but that they've Archie Comics has done a really good job of like making those characters, you know, having those those old fashioned traits that you like, but also yeah. kind of updating them. They're a really really fun cast, and it's just been like a pleasure to work with. And when when will that exist for people to see what you have what you've worked on with Archie? Oh sure, my my first Archie project, uh, Pop's Chocolate Shop of Horrors, an anthology of spooky stories set in <laughs> Riverdale's famous diner, uh, is going to be on stands March twenty second. So yeah, if if oh shoot, um, we're there, we're there. Get it, get it now. Uh, yeah, you can grab that uh, online at the Archie website or from your local comic book shop. Um, so yeah, support your then, local comic book shop, y'all. Yeah, do it. Get down there. They're such fun places. I, I I love an excuse to send people to a local comic book store, especially if it's a place they like don't go normally. They're such yeah. fun places. And um, yeah, maybe maybe I don't know, maybe more Archie to come. Just keep an eye on social media. <laughs> well, Jordan, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Yes, thank you. This has been so much fun. Yes, I appreciate having you on. And I appreciate any time I get to learn from somebody about a medium that I am very undereducated in. So thank you for walking me through uh, your experience with comics as well. No, thank you. And I'm glad to learn that maybe The Shadow is an underrated classic. Listen, maybe I have an original one sheet from its theatrical run. Oh maybe God. I have that. So oh I think maybe we need to bring him back. Okay. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Shadow reboot. Come on. <laughs> Alec Baldwin's never been hotter. Get him no, back in the cape. Yeah, now's, now's the time. Now's the time to put <laughs> Alec Baldwin back in the Shadow Cape. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Jordan. Thank you. Thank you again to Jordan Morris. His Archie horror comic, Pops Chocolate Shop of Horrors is freshly on shelves now so go pick that up and of course um I, i'm actually gonna have i'm gonna go off beat and i'm gonna have two tiny i have two quick things one is the quickest one i just gotta say we prefaced it before we planted the seeds so now it's growing watch class of 07 i love class of 07 it's on prime caitlin stacy rules emily browning is back uh please watch uh class of 07 because that show makes me feel seen and then my final closing quick thing gotta be about the max fun drive um we talk a lot on this podcast about support independent cinema support little films get out there and check out those independent horror movies uh and this it's the same ethos support independent creators uh that's such a weird word now because like creators is like people who make content and spawn and like to be a creative 
uh, doesn't necessarily align, I think, with the notion of like those who make the arts. It's it's sort of a catch-all term now, but really, truly support. This is an independent venture. Maximum Fun is an independent venture. Uh, it is not owned by big corporate interests, and in fact, it is now owned by the employees who comprise the company. So you should continue to support independent art and independent makers by supporting us. Uh, go back up in this episode a little bit if you want to hear the goals that we have set for ourselves and the rewards that come with those goals. And you can also, like, if you pledge more than $10 a month, like, there are additional treasures that can be unlocked for you. We have not even covered uh, the breadth of benefits that you get when you become a Maximum Fund member uh, on in our rundown here today. But all you have to do is go to the website. That's it. MaximumFun.org slash join. Uh, we all know so rapidly how to pay for things with our credit cards these days. This should be a very painless procedure for you. It is click and it is click and go. It is plug and play. MaximumFun.org slash join. And that is our show. You can follow us on Twitter at FeelingScenePod or send us an email at FeelingScene at MaximumFun.org. Our theme music is by Andrew Epen. The show is produced by Marissa Flaxbart. Our senior producers are Kevin Ferguson and Laura Swisher, and this is a production of Maximum Fun. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.